Influencers for Good is a new ethical news platform dedicated to featuring incredible people doing incredible things for the planet according to five thematic pillars. People, planet, products, purpose, ideas and solutions. It is time to bring followers to what matters most, our planet and the good people working hard to protect it. A lot of the people and ideas featured on our platform and podcast don't have millions of followers, but they should. The problem is that they're too busy working really hard and we are here to give them a lift up with your help. So don't forget to follow, subscribe and share when you like our work. So welcome back to Influencers for Good. Today we have a very special guest all the way from Austin, Texas. It's Josh Clifford, is the founder of Free Water. Hi Josh. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. We're really excited to have you here because when I started this venture of finding people that are, have a mission greater than themselves, you were at the top of the list and I didn't think you were going to answer that quick and say, yes, I'll do it. So <laughs> I'm actually really excited that we're having this conversation really early on. Um, so for the people that don't have a clue and have not come across it yet, why don't you tell us quickly, what is it that Free Water is? Free Water is a free beverage company. Um, we do aluminum bottles and paper cartons of natural spring water. And it's free because the packaging is the ad space. That's the catch. And it's a new type of media and e-commerce platform that uses QR codes to connect anything on the internet. But most importantly, a minimum of 10 cents per water is donated to charity to fight the global water crisis. And our goal with free water is to get 10% of Americans to save money and drink one free water a day and we'll donate more than a billion dollars to charity annually. And free water is just the first step towards free supermarkets. Wow. I mean, it, obviously, it's great. It's amazing. I've seen some of the viral videos and got me really intrigued, and especially by the reactions of people, because whenever you say to someone, hey, this is free, there's, there's a whole range of emotions on faces about suspicion. Who are you? You're going to try to lower me into a van and kidnap me or do something weird to me. What is this? And, the, and so my question is, how is it possible that it's free? We know from marketing that the, the, the whole saying is, if something is free, you are the product. What is it, the catch? There's no catch? I mean, the catch is that the ads are on the packaging. When The old expression of, I mean, it's not that old. It's within 20 years. Um, if something's free, you're the product. I believe that's a response to platforms like Facebook and Google um, that are really predatory on what they do. And if you ask a lot of people, is Facebook free? They would say no. And so, um, but it, it, it works. The phenomenon is that the advertising is worth more than every product sold at our local supermarkets. Um, but we've also identified a number of different ways to make all groceries free in the future with no ads. So uh, consider free water the first step towards normalizing free groceries that are ad supported. And then we intend to disrupt our ad supported model one day with the model with no ads. Uh, I would prefer it with no ads, actually. And it's equally as profitable. So can I just ask you out of curiosity, how, how does this ads versus distribution works? Because I'm guessing there's a bit of a, you know, how do you know that the, how has an advertiser, I know that the, that bottle of water is going to end up in the hands of my, of the audience that I intended to, because your main goal is to give the water for free. Do you, do you have uh, a lot of intelligence about the distributions and the where? I'm guessing also putting in the hands of people that need the water that may not necessarily be the audience for that advert or the two things don't really matter? 
We only deal in targeted marketing. And so 99% of our business right now, um, the project is still in beta mode. Um, what you see on the internet is less than 1% of the innovations we're revealing. 99% um, of our business isn't what you see on social media. It's B2B, meaning we ship it to the business and they distribute it to their audience. Um, right. And now to date, we've manufactured uh, 330,000, so we've donated 33,000 to charity so far and financed water projects in Africa and India. And an interesting stat is roughly 2.1% of the waters we've distributed were actually so far from nonprofits targeting the homeless even. You can't, um, you know, helping them to find the homeless shelter, get job training. And so regardless of the demographic or walk of life, you could find advertisers for that. But Next, we're about to start direct to consumer, meaning we're going to get a very tiny warehouse in Austin, Texas, like a thousand square feet to start. And we're going to hand make mixed 12 and 24 packs. Um, and these mixed and 24 packs are going to be boxed in a custom box. And then the consumer only has to pay for the shipping and the water's free. And so once we've got the free water going to your house and they're ordering consistently, then we add one product at a time. And then it evolves into the free grocery store. Wow. So that's like you have like a full vision uh, of support. How did you get into that? Let's let's go back a little to um, to the roots of why would someone think think up something like this and uh, try to get it off the ground, which I'm sure it's not easy, although the idea is amazing. I can imagine the resistance from anyone around wanted to not have <laughs> free water or free anything, even if it's an amazing idea. So tell us, how did it start it? Well, before I start, I want to point out it's negatively priced, not free, because it's free plus charity equals profit. The waters are 110% off currently, and we've created a roadmap to go down to negative 150 because we want to give more. And so um, what, what happened is back in 2015, uh, my wife and I started a nonprofit organization to help refugees in Europe. And during that time, we helped roughly 10,000 people from more than 25 countries. And one in four that we interviewed expressed that they had left their country because they didn't have access to water or food. And that was really eye-opening. And um, so I started examining the global water crisis and um, the UN has these crazy numbers and, and these goals to end it permanently, which are great, but their numbers are 10 or 100 or 1,000 times more than the actual price of solving the crisis. And then it bothered me, like, why is it so expensive? And, and they say temporarily when the permanent fix is much cheaper. And it's because the governments will spend $10,000 on a hammer and $10,000 on a nail. And if you're spending money like that, of course it's going to be way more expensive. And so that's when free water was born. Um, free water is just designed to be a fast, a vehicle to make a fast donation to charity. It doesn't matter if you want to help people or the environment or not, you get something free, minimum of 10 cents. And so we calculated that it's somewhere between five and $10 billion, that's it, to end the global water crisis. So you get 10% of Americans to drink one free water a day. We donate 1.25 billion. And so we believe that when we achieve just 10% of Americans saving money, we put an end to the global water crisis permanently within a decade without any tax dollars or government involvement.
Wow. It's a grand vision. But my first biggest question is, it's free water because you paid for the advertisement, but where does the water come from? So we currently have manufacturers in different parts of the country for both aluminum bottles and paper cartons. Uh, we don't have our own factories yet. And this is all uh, premium spring water. We would put our water up against Fiji, Evian, um, other brands that utilize our same manufacturers are selling these for 2 to $4 a bottle. And ours are negatively priced. Every water brand is just a water bottle company because they all got the water from pretty much the same places. Um, so that's, that's, that's fantastic. And what happens to that um, aluminum bottle? We know aluminum can be almost infinitely re recycled. So do you have a plan? Do you incentivize people to recycle in a certain way or that's a second step? Are you attached to loop by TerraCycle to get the bottle back somewhere or not? Or are there thoughts? Or they keep it because obviously you can keep using it. So you, get, you also get a nice reusable bottle. So there's, there's, there's pros and cons to both aluminum bottles and paper cartons. Um, we chose these two uh, advertising mediums or containers to start because they represented the greenest containers to start with plus the shortest lead time. There were other options, but they would say it will take you two years to get the bottle and no advertiser would wait two years. Um, aluminum is infinitely recyclable. These are 90% recycled aluminum. 70% of all aluminum containers ever manufactured in America have been recycled. But big picture, we aim to make the world's first 100% hemp packaging. That doesn't exist anywhere in the world. Um, and yeah, there, there are long-term plans of collecting all the rubbish, not just for the bottles, but all of the groceries. But the big the big environmental benefit here is that one-third of all groceries in the United States are thrown away at the supermarket because they're too expensive. And so free supermarkets and giving people free access to food will ha have the ability to cut USA food waste by 33%. And, and those numbers are astronomical because in, the Mer in America, we're right. some of the biggest food wasters yeah, in the world. unfortunately, sadly. But so... Are you mostly an American company right now or anybody can work with you from anywhere already or is that like a phase two? So we're currently only doing business in the lower 48 states right now. Um, I, I, I envision just because of the connections we've already made, the next countries will likely be uh, Canada, the UK and Spain because we already have uh, manufacturers lined up there. The, the difficult thing when you start any company and you're, and you're relying on manufacturers is um, you have to test them numerous times because they'll promise you, hey, this is a super high quality product. If you order it, I promise you it will be done in five weeks. And, and you can't just trust them, unfortunately, for better or for worse. You have to order two, three, four, five, six times and make sure they do their job, do their job, do their job. And then we consider selling it to the advertisers because we don't want to mess up our reputation. And so uh, next we aim to prop up um, free soda, free, uh, free juices, free women's feminine hygiene products. But each of these products will require roughly $25,000 in testing just before we could start selling the ad space. And so that's really just the holdup. We're a small business. We could start adding other products, other countries, almost immediately, um, but we, we cannot franchise the model like a McDonald's 
because we want this to be the whole foods of free products, the highest quality groceries, right. never costing money, and the consistency part. And so this will have to be scaled, meaning uh, we we reach profitability here in the U.S., then we move to Canada, then we move to any other country out there. And so we just, you know, it, it has to be done right to ensure that quality always remains high. And so just to be clear, Freewater is a for-profit company that does charity, or is it a B Corp, or is it a social enterprise? Do you, where does it sit? We are a for-profit company that is more philanthropic than most nonprofits you will ever meet. Um, I founded two nonprofits in the past, and the reason why I didn't make it a nonprofit this time is nonprofits are not sustainable if you run out of donations. And so the moment you run out of donations, you're, you're done. You can no longer do good deeds. And so I needed to create a for-profit model to sustain the giving. And, and, and what I asked myself is, like the Red Cross has been around for more than 100 years. Why haven't they, quote unquote, saved the world yet? Some of these nonprofits have been around for so long, and I'm not saying that they haven't done great things, but they, with all the money that they've been given, a lot of things should be better. But meanwhile, you look at like Facebook, Snapchat, TikTok, all these other like social networks, and they traveled around the world in half of a decade. And so that's why I said, okay, it's got to be negatively priced, um, free plus charity, and and a lot of these attributes that we created are going to revolutionize the the eco-friendly and passionate economies. Yeah, I like that. Um, and yes, you're right. I mean, I think there's uh, there's a lot of great for not-for-profit organizations out there. But the, the the bigger questions is always why haven't we resolved or advanced more in some of the key areas? I remember I remember being a kid and seeing the kids. In Africa, with no shoes and the advertisement on television, we need to give them shoes. We would do donations in school where you had to bring your old things to send them. And then here I am, almost 48, and they still don't have shoes. And yeah. um, um, and, and also water and the food. And you know, there's still like a cri- one crisis after the other. Of course, the, the, the issue is very complex. We can't just like simplify it or ridicule. Um, but there's definitely a better approach out there. And um, Trying, you're trying something different. You're trying something completely new, uh, which yeah. has got a ton of risks, of course. And you are a startup, so are you funded? Do you have VC money? Are you bootstrapped? Where are you at in this journey right now? What are you looking for? Who can help? So um, I started at zero, meaning um, when I started working on this, I was 32. I was practically computer illiterate. Um, never knew how to use a computer. I didn't know how to type. Um, I didn't know anything about social media, marketing, manufacturing, and I'm really bad at reading and writing because I've got really bad dyslexia. And so I started from scratch of scratch at 32. Uh, I, I, I burned through uh, my wife and I life savings of like a quarter of a million dollars or more just when I was designing everything because it took me years of inventing this. Um, I tried to originally get it off the ground in Western Europe. I invented this while living in Europe. I, I couldn't find the support I needed at that time in Europe for a couple of reasons. Number one, I wasn't good enough at articulating the vision. And number two, I couldn't, it, it's a little bit less of a risk-taking culture. Um, I think we, we really do one thing great in America, and I've, I've traveled around the world, and it's a culture of 
people going into a garage and out comes an Apple computer. And so it, I, I, I moved the project back to America and for years no one would listen to me. Everyone said, you're crazy, you can't make something free and you definitely can't make it free and donate to charity and make it work. Um, then the pandemic came and no one could leave their home, nothing good was happening. Um, I was in debt. Uh, my wife and I uh, were living a very modest, uh, poor lifestyle here in Austin. Uh, I was in debt. I was probably going to go bankrupt over the project. I didn't care. I was driving Uber late at night during the pandemic, and that was not great because people don't treat their Uber drivers very nicely, especially during the pandemic. And then, unfortunately, I got the call that my mother had passed away, and... Um, and I inherited roughly $150,000 of insurance money, and I put 130 of it into the project as well. And, and at that time, I had finally fixed my communication efforts, and, um, and then things started getting off the ground. And um, so it, you know, we've, we've taken a little bit of money from outside investors, not very much. And, um, and yeah, next step is... Uh, we're looking for people to help us build our first factory here in America or or abroad as well. Um, and the cost is 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 higher than a normal factory. It's roughly ten million US dollars. And the reason is is that we invented so many new innovations that don't exist that are only possible if something's free or negatively priced. Uh, we will be the first company to build out these new infrastructures. And these new infrastructures will enable us to offer free delivery in the future and, and not lose any money. We make money off of free delivery in the future. So we'll be the only company in the world who could accomplish that. And, and that's just the beginning. And so that first factory will then manufacture 200 million waters a year. And that will finance the next 20 of these factories across the country. And then those will finance the global ones. And so from the moment we have the first one in full operation, 20 years later, uh, we're bigger than Coke and Pepsi combined. But in this new infrastructure that allows you to go direct to the consumer, you get rid of 95% of the current supply chain. And it, it's extremely green versus how people do things today. I mean, it's almost too good to be true. So what what are you up against? I mean, what is the struggle when you're going out and pitch? Because it, it sounds heavenly. Why wouldn't an investor want to jump in? And um, that's opportunity, of course, probably also very high risk, but incredible opportunity. What's your biggest struggle right now? It's actually extremely low risk um, because we've already passed the risk point and with scale, our costs only go down. And with marketing, when your audience grows, your revenue only goes up. So uh, we're it's proven and it's 1,000% happening at this point. Um, I guess the only <laughs> risk that scares me at this moment is that, um, you know, Google was like the 25th or 26th search engine. The first search engine, I think, was AskJeeves.com. And so I don't want us to become the AskJeeves.com of free groceries, and so, or the Facebook of free groceries, because we're keeping it ethical here. But um, next step is we're starting direct to consumer, because um, we need to get the product into people's hands, and then they'll just pay for the shipping. And then once we get that rolling, um, the shipping will only get cheaper and cheaper and cheaper as we do volume, then it will be free. Um, 
and then uh, one product at a time. So Amazon started with books, and then you know T-shirts, this, that. Now we're really spoiled with the Amazon and Alibaba experiences out there, but they all started with one product. Our first product is negatively priced water. And so speaking of Amazon, we can't put free water on Amazon or Alibaba because they get 10% or more off of everything you sell. So we're not welcome. And so uh, we're trying to get it up before the end of the year, but we're launching freegrocerystore.com. And that's the free Amazon for the products and services and software uh, that are free or negatively priced. Uh, we won't take a commission. There'll be just like a once a year tiny listing fee. And that's when you'll, where you'll not only find our uh, products and services, but everybody else around the world too. Wow. I mean, I'd love to see this happening. And I'd love to see this happening everywhere. Tell me a little bit about the link to the charity part. One, why is it important for you? Why specifically? I know that you're um, bound to one specific charity. Um, so if you can tell us a little bit more about why that was important to be inbuilt into the business model and uh, so clearly into the communication so that it's very clear for everybody that this is part of the business. So currently we've actually been donating to, to um, Well Aware and Charity Water. Um, we find because um, Well Aware is, they're both amazing, but Well Aware is currently only based out of Africa and Charity Water enabled us to build our first projects in Asia. Um, and now, um, okay, uh, to make something free is free, it's zero, but to make something negatively priced is in the only in the eyes of the, the recipient. And so in order to make like this cup of coffee negatively priced, I have to give you the coffee for free, and I either have to pay you to drink it or make a significant donation to charity. There's no other way to add value in the negative zone other than direct payment or donation to charity. And so the, uh, the moat, the water around our castle that protects us in the future from the world's biggest companies is that they all built the infrastructure of their organization for a world of inefficiency and, and selling things for the highest amount that supply and demand could allow and not caring about the environment. But in order to make this coffee negatively priced for us to make money paying you to drink a cup of coffee from the very moment you have to get rid of anything that doesn't belong, any inefficiencies, any waste. And when you start your organization that way, then you could build in the revenue model and do very special things. And so I personally can't do this without the donations to charity. I only care about the donations to charity. I was only able to invent this stuff because um, when we give just 10% of Americans free groceries, the top 100 free groceries, every grocery donates a minimum of 10 cents. Every free grocery will donate to a different charitable cause. We donate more than $125 billion to charity annually. We will save tens of millions of lives and the environment. And we created an outcome where either we become the free Amazon or Walmart or Amazon puts us out of business by opening a better free supermarket that donates more money to charity than us. If someone puts us out of business by doing that, everybody still wins. We still help the environment. We still save those lives. And so we wanted to create a win-win outcome for all. And, and that is, in my opinion, not normal, unfortunately, 
or normalized or often in society today? Well, I'm almost like speechless. I'm playing with the vision, you know, of these ethical businesses that, yes, make money, but they crack the code for making money and truly helping, not just pretend help. Um, and truly impacting, not pretend impact, because we know that we have a lot of that. I mean, I'm sure that, and, and I don't want to point fingers, but especially yes. you guys in, in in America, because your system is based on, you know, offsetting your taxes by setting up foundations and charitable associations, which we don't really quite have the same way in Europe, for example, then a lot of those vehicles have been subject of a ton of bad press um, and, and bad actions as well. So it's always like very questionable when there is that charitable aspect. So I'm guessing you're donating because you've established that these two associations are the best for what you want to achieve as opposed to you starting from scratch on something where you have more investment into it, into supervisions or into transparency? You have to start somewhere. And even though big picture, we aim to do hemp packaging, hemp packaging doesn't exist today. So we had to start with what's manageable and, and makes sense. And so we, tr we vetted a lot of nonprofits before we landed on these two so far. Um, and I asked, I went through a lot of tough questions and these were the two best ones we found in the industry. Now, big picture, um, when we are achieving a large portion of the United States populace um, and we're donating hundreds of millions and billions of dollars, we're going to do it ourselves. And the main difference here is that um, in order to do this right, especially with the water wells, a lot of steel pipes need to be bought in one purchase. That's the most expensive part of digging the water well is the really long steel pipes and it should be done in steel versus plastic um, for durability and health reasons anyways. But uh, that's the only way to do this and to get the cost down is to buy the steel one day and all the materials and in bulk in one sit down. We, we leverage these current nonprofits because they're wonderful people doing wonderful things. I'm a perfectionist. I believe that one day uh, when we have the funds, I'll, we'll do it much better in-house or we'll partner with them to elevate their their organizations but you got to start somewhere and so we're i believe we're we're doing a great start because the water's free it's not in a plastic bottle and it donates to charity and that's arguably already a thousand times better than any other company and it only gets better from here so what are the lessons you brought over from setting up that nonprofit um, to help refugees that are helping with what you're doing right now? Unfortunately, um, the, the I would call the refugee nonprofit a success in that we helped thousands and thousands of people in a very rough time in their life. Um, there was some very big name nonprofits, I won't mention them, but they were very corrupt, meaning they would come to us and say, if you don't buy food from our suppliers, and their suppliers were like five or ten times the price, we'll call the police on you. And I would be like, well, we don't want to buy food from your suppliers or bandages from your suppliers because it's five or ten times the price. So then eventually the police came. And this was in Eastern Europe, and it's easy to pay police to come and whatever. And so uh, what ultimately happened was I had to eventually close the nonprofit officially um, because they couldn't tell a private citizen what to do. 
they were able to boss around a nonprofit, right. a, an, an entity, an organization. But unfortunately, I had to shut down Save the Refugees because some of the biggest nonprofits in the world. Uh, and, and again, it's I don't think that their founders know what's going on in these countries necessarily, but we couldn't afford to pay five or ten times the price for an Apple um, and and it, it didn't make sense. And so there's just a lot of corruption with some of these bigger nonprofits. And I think that that's sad. Like every time there's a hurricane or a tidal wave or whatever, they'll they'll make a sad commercial and say, donate, 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 donate. How much of that money actually goes to the cause with a lot of these nonprofits? Or how much of it just went to salaries and commercials and more marketing? And, and what I realized is just... The sector in general, as you mentioned, there's just a lot of nonprofits that are doing amazing things and a lot of nonprofits that are not, and they're ruining the reputations of the ones that are. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, again, with a lot of respect for those that have proven over decades to be doing things correctly, I am a big believer in B Corp social enterprises or ethical businesses and i think that that's the future because the problem of corruption lies in the fact that we've lost the capacity for empathy and our capacity for being ethical in business in fact most people don't associate the two words i mean i don't think they teach you that in business school um and if we were to embrace business almost like in an old school way with you know a gentleman's handshake with honor with respecting, you know, I'll, we'll, we'll fight in a duel kind of thing um, to kind of keep word. Uh, most businesses would be very different. And so I also get called utopic and delusional whenever I bring up this kind of stuff. So that's why I'm doing Influences for Good because I think that all the great people that are trying to do things that are a little bit out of the box and um, swimming against the waves need to come together and help each other learn from each other, and at least, if, if anything, stay positive together. Agree one million percent. Um, what, what I think we do, and it's very unique to what we do, and it's why it took me so many years to invent this, is I found that a lot of, um, there's a lot of for-profit and non-profit organizations that aim to do really well, but their model was less profitable than the status quo. And even though there are great models, if it's less profitable, it won't scale because unfortunately, a lot of people just care about money. And so that's why it took me years to develop models where in the future, we can earn more than $1,000 from a single bottle of water. And you can't do that off of a bottle of Nestle or Coke or Pepsi, which is why they're going to copy us. Uh, 100% they're going to copy us, and I can't wait for Coca-Cola, for example, to copy the $0.10 cents per donation to charity because you multiply that by every can or bottle of Coke in the world, and it will be one of the largest redistributions of wealth in human history without socialism or uh, people grabbing uh, their pitchforks. And, you know, it, it just took forever to create the model that was way more profitable because I figured if it wasn't, then then it won't it won't happen if it was just one percent more profitable it wouldn't happen it just and that was really the most difficult challenge was how do you make negatively priced more profitable than selling goods in the future and 
it took years, like three three solid years of just whiteboard and inventing. So you keep saying that there's a lot more to the tech than just this uh, free water negatively priced. So can you share a little bit more? Because in our in our pre-chat, you also said there's so much that is like a little bit difficult to just explain, but the the tech the tech is on the next level. Is there something sure. you can give us a preview yeah. on or? Yeah, 100%. So, um, okay, so there's different innovations in this. First first is the uh, manufacturing and distribution, and then there's the technologies. Um, and so an example is um, the trash collector. In every country I've ever seen, they pick up the trash at your home, they go to the neighbor's home, the neighbor's home, the neighbor's home. They do thousands of consecutive homes. But why doesn't the trash collector go to your house uh, drive 10 kilometers away, go to my house, drive 10 miles away, go to this person's house. It wouldn't make sense, really, but it's not efficient. But that's how Amazon, Walmart, and Alibaba, and every business in the world, that's how they make deliveries currently. And companies like Amazon can't make deliveries to two consecutive homes because their products cost money and they cannot force you to be a customer. But free and negatively priced products enables in the future localized consecutive delivery, where if you don't want the free groceries, you just opt out and we skip your home, house after house after house after business after business, and it's localized, it's consecutive, and that's going to enable us even as a small business to get product to consumers for 90% cheaper and 90% less friction and work than the world's biggest companies can. Um, another example is uh, Coca-Cola spends billions of dollars on their trucks, and they all have the Coca-Cola logo on them. Uh, they care more about their logo than making money. Why, why wouldn't they just put an Airbnb or Nike logo on the truck? And now, instead of paying for trucks, the trucks cost them nothing. And so the cost of shipping is going to be free in the future on both long journey drives and last mile, last kilometer deliveries. Um, now, also, uh, when, you, when you check out the kilometers or mileage of the products in your, in your grocery store, and I don't just mean like the, the grains and the cereal, but the, the plastics, the inks, the everything that goes into a packaged good, anything that's just not the fresh produce direct from the farmer, sometimes these products have traveled between 10 and 30,000 kilometers to get there. Um, and so an example is uh, maybe you buy some cereal and whatever, but it's in, a, it's in a box that's covered in inks. These inks might have come from Thailand, China, the paper from over here. Um, wrapped in plastic that was oil from Saudi Arabia or whatever, then that oil was on a tanker sent to China to make plastic pellets. Those plastic pellets came across the world. They smelted it. It so many stops. Um, but the future is making as many products as you can at location A, make the packaging at location A, you give the product away for free at location A or within a couple of kilometers of location A. Notice how now the whole kilometers is a few kilometers versus 20 or 30,000 potentially. And, and you just cannot compare not only the environmental impact and improvement, but the cost savings. And then, um, so today on the packaging, we just earn money off of the physical ads. 
right? Um, next step, we charge 3% for all products purchased on our platform. So you don't have to purchase anything, but let's say you buy a t-shirt, a Apple computer, or a Toyota truck off of the can. You buy a $50,000 Toyota truck, we make $1,500 commission off of a water that was already profitable. Um, we're building the world's first free vending machines. And these vending machines are going to be extremely advanced technology. You cannot rob these machines. Um, version one, uh, which we're getting off the ground, it's just been taking a long time, will blow people away, but it will be nothing compared to uh, version two or three, which will take years of development. And what that looks like is um, you and I and our friends, we walk up to the free vending machine in Times Square, New York City, you scan it, boop, and out pops a free water. And this is individualized for me, individualized for you. It's different for all of us. And then individualized QR codes and individualized augmented reality on every water, those three layers. And this will be our equivalent of Google AdWords. The most expensive Google AdWords are thousands of dollars per click. Not to buy anything, just a click. And so in some extraordinary circumstances, just the label will be worth more than $1,000. And so this same technology then goes to your home. So when you open up the cases of the free waters or the cereal boxes, everything will be individualized just for your household. It's almost like going back to the time where cereal boxes were all we could read in the morning and it was the most exciting thing. The first day you get the first cereal box <laughs> and now you'll have like something to read. This is the future magazine, the, the food, the groceries, it's the future magazine. Interesting. I love it. I mean, obviously, you, you do have a very long-term vision for this, and it's, it's inspiring that you're willing to go to such lengths to kind of really shake the system. Have you upset someone yet? I, I, don't, I don't think so. Um, Nobody's come to you to say, how dare you make him free? We need to make money the honest way we make money. Um, there's been a couple trolls on the internet in the early days. They didn't say anything other than it wasn't possible. Uh, and sometimes I literally gave them my phone number and said, let's talk for 20 minutes. And then I walked them through it. And then the trolls became our biggest fans, some of them. And so uh, in the earliest moments when I invented everything, I considered patenting it all. Uh, free water, free food, free medicine, free electricity, free transport, everything. Um, and I decided not to, to do that. Uh, I got scared. I, we've all heard stories of people who made like cars that ran on water and then, you know, something happens to them. Or I just said, you know what? Um, if I try to be greedy and patent all of these things, number one, I don't think it's ethical to patent free supermarkets. Number two, I don't want to prevent the world's biggest companies from copying. And that's what a patent could do. I want Amazon, Walmart, Coke, and Pepsi, and the world's biggest companies to copy. And, and so... Um, you can license them, the model? Well, if you, you could license it, but if you patented it, it just it didn't seem very ethical, to be honest. Um, and I didn't want to... It kind of defies the, the, the purpose. I wanted to build this uh, honest, uh, ethical, give-back business. And we want to be the catalyst for competition in the negatively priced uh, products and services zone. I want some. I want. I want Coke or Pepsi or uh, you know 
any of the Red Bull or Liquid Death, I want them to come out tomorrow and say, our water's free and 20 cents goes to charity. And, and the next day I'll say 21 cents. And then they'll go 22 cents. And I'll go 25 cents. And what what would we be... I mean, effectively, for? everybody could do that because if you have the platform that enables the, uh, the ad selling of the space and positioning and the technology, they could just use your platform and still retain whatever models they're using. There could be future collaborations. That's where we see it. And so we won't franchise like free water in a sense. But this is the future. Uh, what's, an, what's an iPhone or your Samsung? It's, it's hardware you can't live without. That's why people love their smart device. But what's water, food, medicine, electricity? These are things you cannot live without. And if you create... Literally. Literally. But literally. So if you create something that people can't live without that gives you the opportunity to build a new type of app store. And this app store or a new type of social network or, you know, will be distributed across free groceries and products around the world. And so that's what will give people open access to... Opportunity to participate, um, be part of it, create their own version somehow. Yes, to innovate, to get involved, to... Um, but... We, we're, we're still many years away from building out that. What is your roadmap? What is your year's roadmap for this? So uh, right now, the very next priority is to prop up direct-to-consumer. Again, 99% of our current business is B2B. And um, now, now we're propping up direct-to-consumer. We'll take everyone along for the ride on like, wow, by hand they're making these mixed 12 packs because the machines are not available. No one's ever done that to do that. And I found one company that might be able to do it, and it's like $10 million. It's not worth it. So we take the everyone with us on the journey of making these mixed 12-packs and 24-packs, making the Amazon 2.0. They just pay for the shipping. Um, one product at a time. Now, over here, separate, we're hard at work on a free vending machine prototype version 1. Um, now... When that's ready, we'll have it on the streets here in Austin, and we'll allow people to use it. It's going to break. We're going to fix it. It's going to break. We're going to fix it. After it's broken 10 or 20 times and we fix it and we're confident with it, then we'll order a dozen of them, and then two dozen of them, and then three dozen of them. Um, but it's very important to maintain quality because... As you could see in some of the videos, people are confused. How could it be free? It must be poor quality. And so we're yeah. bringing... I mean, that's the first question. Is that where's your water coming from? What are you putting in it? Is it flint water? No, what yeah, is this? yeah. So, so we need to prove that free and negatively priced can be just as high quality, if not higher quality, than the goods that are being sold today. And so the quality... Is, is is key. We don't want to do anything that is low quality here. At the end of our conversation, I always ask if anyone was to listen to this conversation and had the power to help, to come in, to scale, to do something that it's maybe even unimaginable, but you need it right now, what would that thing be? If you dream really big, what would make you go next level right now? What kind of help? Is it just financial or what kind of support are you looking for? Champions that believe in this and that could be the face, um, endorsers? Go ahead, ask away. Um, 
we we need we need about four or five different types of help right now, and and we have to wait for the right uh, individuals because they need to be the top of what they do. Uh, we need a C sharp developer uh, with Unity experience. That's for video games, augmented reality. They have to have at least a half decade of experience. We need top of what they do. Uh, C plus plus developer, uh, same thing, five to ten years experience. Uh, the best in the industry in order to build out these new technologies. And then we're looking for ethical investors or people to help us come in and build our first three factories, whether it's in the U.S. or abroad, and then it all takes care of itself. Outside of that, um, we already have the demand for billions of uh, free beverages a year right now. Um, More and more ad agencies are getting involved, um, and like there's a there's an amazing one in uh, New York Map 360. They've been doing amazing things. That's how we've got some of these major companies and TV shows already. Next step, we need that billion dollar ad agency to come in and get involved and just snap their fingers because we already have the manufacturers lined up. We already have the audience lined up, and then we could do a billion beverages next year. And so, do you have like a wish list, like a name, someone you want to call out and go, hey, if you're listening, so you can tag them. I, I would like you, like, I don't know, um, Richard Branson, can you jump on board, invite him to Necker Island? We, <laughs> get we going. Just, I, I just want to make sure that um, if somebody got involved in a major way, it's the right person or group because, again, I don't want this to become the Facebook of free supermarkets. That, and And I want the opportunity in the future when we have enough revenue and money coming in to profitably do it without the ads. My fear is if I bring in the wrong people, um, they'll take enough control of the company where they won't let me remove the ads in the future. And I just, that's my concern is they we're just looking for people who really care about, they're really upset with the way the world's going right now. Um, they're fed up as, as we are and I think most of the world is of course they want to make money, and I promise this is going to be the most profitable endeavor in history, but they really care about that social impact. And and I don't care if it's a government, if it's an, if it's an individual, um, these things are going to revolutionize the way that every city works because these models work for electricity, big pharma, and more. And so, like, I just, there's a lot of responsibility and and what we're doing, and, and that's really important. We have the ability to save tens of millions of lives and help the environment, and just, so we just, we can't partner with just anybody, unfortunately. How will you know that that person or company or entity is the right one? Do you have like a thorough assessment methodology? Or are you gonna go with a gut feeling? Is it like, let's break bread and I'll nail you with a million questions to try and understand what kind of human are you? Because I find that a lot of people can be fundamentally good and ethical on their own individual principle. And then when they leave within the construct of an organization, they become someone else for the time they're there. They act someone else like they were someone else. And, and they, the two things coexist. It doesn't mean that they're bad people, but when they're dependent from the company, the shareholders, the, the, the liabilities that you have in the business world, they cannot deliver on the promise. So how do you think you'll be able to bet the, the opportunity? 
Because I guess every company's got the opportunity to be an amazing company that's something fantastic. And then when it all goes to poop, is once you start expanding and you start joining forces with the dark side, <laughs> not intentionally, not intentionally, but it's always that's always like the breaking point, right? But we expand the family, and then all of a sudden, something is is in writing, is in small print. You kind of miss it, and then it gets enforced at the wrong moment, and you have to it's either make or break because at the end of the day, it's a for-profit company first. It's a for-profit company at the end of the day, and you have to do. You have to make money so that then you can do the good that you set out to achieve. Um, it's a difficult thing. It's a difficult thing to balance with morals. So tell me, what is your methodology for assessing? It, it is very difficult. It is very difficult. I've been wrong in the past. Um, I'll be wrong again in the future. We're human. We're not perfect. Um, you know, if it, if it was a major investor, I think it would be easy to see by their past actions. And some people said, oh, I want to invest big bucks, and I'm a very charitable person. And then you look at their nonprofits, and they don't, you know. And so um, here's the thing. We, we're dedicated. The, the business model and the mission is to end global famine and the water crisis without government money. And it's always to have the most negatively priced value to the consumer. So because our goal is to always be more negatively priced than everybody else, I do personally believe it's self-correcting. I'm not saying that if I sold the company one day to someone else who is less ethical, that there's no room for greed or corruption, but there's less room for greed and corruption when you've created a roadmap to go not just 110% off where we are today, but negative 150, 60, 70, 80, 90. Now, I guess let's say the worst case scenario, which is what a lot of founders are scared of, like you bring in the wrong people and then you somehow get kicked out of your own company one day or, or whatever. Like I'm one of the few people in the world that has created more than a dozen ways to do it without the ads. And so, and I'm really dead set on this impact part, especially with things like free food, water and electricity, it, it will prevent future conflicts and more. And so these, these innovations are going to happen. Even if we quit today, they're going to happen simply because they're the most profitable outcome. And, and that's all that matters, unfortunately, to governments and the wealthiest 1% is they just care about the money. And that's why this was so difficult to create something that is semi-self-correcting like Bitcoin, but at the same time, by far the most profitable outcomes available, even without the ads. And so, so what, like, that's, like, if the CEO of Nestle called me right now, I would tell them all of our secrets because, like, I, I want them to utilize them. And, and, and that's, that's the difference. There, there is no competition when trying to end the most pressing issues here. I do think that in the near future, the world's richest people, the 1%, will realize, well, it doesn't matter if I have a billion dollars or a trillion dollars, if the environment goes completely downhill like it is, or if society continues to go completely downhill like it is, my money won't have a value anyways. So I do think that they'll figure it out and we will find those ethical people 
And if we accidentally bring in the wrong people behind this because it is self-correcting and because we're always going to be the most negatively priced product or service provider out there, you know, when, when this is 175% off one day, meaning that people are compensated to consume free groceries and we donate to charity and deliveries free, it's going to be very hard to, you know, have extra middlemen and, and, and shady things. And, and again, I'm not saying it's not possible, but it's very possible in modern day capitalism because the efficiency is so low. But the only way to take this to where we're taking it is a level of efficiency that no company has or government has tried to achieve so far. And, and so that that's it. Like, um, you know, I'm open to it all. I, I'm also planning a trip um, to to the Middle East um, and this this winter to 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 speak with um, other governments and other entrepreneurs, um, because, like I said, the first governments or the first companies to provide things like free electricity and these models are way more profitable or negatively priced, like way more profitable than selling them today, they're gonna literally take over. And so I just wanna make sure that whatever government or company or whatever who major partners with us first, um, you know, the self-correcting measures that will always be the most negatively priced does not change. It does not change. And and so that's that's it. Um, I. I truly believe that the, the self-correcting part is, is going to take care of it on its own. Sounds amazing. Free water and free everything for all. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, the, uto the utopia that hopefully, maybe, we'll see soon in realization at a wider scale. Mm -hmm. I wish you all the success, of course. I am 100% behind watching what's going to happen. In fact, let's stay in touch. Let's check in again in six months and do another one of this. I want to know what happened between now and then and, uh, yes. and, and you know, keep updating everybody on the journey because I guess it's very exciting um, through thick and thin. If you're willing to share, let us know um, and we'll do what we can to connect you to interesting people that may share your passion for free and uh, want to be on board uh, this uh, winning startup. So thank you so much. I really appreciate not just your time, but also like the, the, the details you've shared and the willingness to participate in uh, this not even launch platform as we're recording now. Yeah, I would. I, would, <laughs> I am I would. negative as well in the creation of Influences for Good. It doesn't yeah, well, exist yet. <laughs> thank you for having me. It was wonderful being here and uh, it really means the world to us. Thank you for listening to the Influences for Good podcast. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. If so, don't forget to like and subscribe. Also, check our news platform, InfluencesForGood.blog, for more content about our guests or to collaborate with us.